Welcome to Point Two Law Review. I'm John Brandt. And I'm Carson Messersmith. And we are here the day after Christmas. I am done with my Christmas spirit. It's it's over. It's December 26, 2023, and all we have is the Court of Appeals. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. Just the Court of Appeals. So they, they stay hard at it, but no Supreme Court opinions this week. All right. Well, we can get started without an ex parte summary. You want to go right ahead, Carson? Yeah, so we'll jump straight into it. We start with snow versus snow and this is an appeal coming out of the district court for adams county um and i guess you know as a uh, start of a highlight we start with a opinion that is a in part reversal um so uh, again something that maybe is tickling the feathers already um, and this is an appeal from a uh, division of property and an award of uh, alimony uh, in a dissolution of marriage. And so basically the background here is that uh, the couple at issue uh, were married in 1981 and had two children who were adults uh, by the time this appeal or by the time this case arose and dissolution arose. And so they were not at issue here. And then uh, again, these are so fact heavy, but the basic facts are uh, that the couple uh, had been involved in a couple of businesses and had lived on a or lived in a cabin that was owned uh, by uh, the husband's parents and then also had uh, various properties that were located on uh, the uh, property of the parents. And so uh, on appeal, the big issue is what should have happened with uh, farm ground that was given to the husband in his name alone with a life estate reserved uh, from his uh, parents or that his parents had reserved a life estate in. And so uh, what had happened here was that the court had uh, ruled in favor of the wife basically saying uh, that this property was entitled uh, to a uh, grace award, which came from a grace versus grace case uh, in Nebraska in 1986, uh, which was which basically said that the wife should receive some credit uh, for the value of the uh, real estate uh, by virtue of uh, the marriage. And so on appeal, and this is kind of a, a second iteration maybe of um, the Pard case, which uh, we had addressed. Um, and, and, and again, I think we're maybe starting to see uh, some of the law in this area change in the state of Nebraska. And basically what that Pard case says is that we have to go through a uh, three-step process of determining uh, if marital property uh, accounts for uh, appreciation. Um, and so whether or not that is uh, marital property, whether it was subject to um, active appreciation, and then how that property should be uh, divided. And so uh, here what the Court of Appeals goes through is essentially that uh, this property was inherited by the husband alone, um, and so it was not subject to uh, marital property, and that in the time that the uh, husband's father had died, who was the last person with a life estate, the appreciation from that point in time until uh, the dissolution of marriage was uh, simply passive appreciation uh, that was due in part to market forces uh, exclusively and was not due to the active participation of either of the parties. And so therefore, uh, the um, Court of Appeals here finds that 
the district court had erred in ordering a lump sum payment from the husband to the wife uh, based on this, the value of these properties, because they were in fact a non-marital asset, not a marital asset. And because of going through that uh, three-step analysis, um, the uh, district court had incorrectly determined uh, what that property uh, should have been. And so therefore, uh, the uh, Court of Appeals here found that the trial court had abused its discretion in dividing the marital estate. And so they remanded to the tri trial court uh, to recalculate based on uh, this opinion and then to uh, deal with um, those issues of recalculation and then um, the award of alimony as to uh, Stephanie was affirmed um, as the court here found that there was no abuse of discretion um, on that. So it was affirmed in part and in part reversed and remanded. All right. That's an interesting one. We got Ewing v. Evans. This is another Court of Appeals published opinion. It is a parenting plan that is um, sought to be modified. The trial court denied the modification said there wasn't a material change in circumstances, at least as far as father was concerned. Um, father was involved in a motor vehicular accident back in 2015 during, um, actually um, after the, or excuse me, prior to the prior order being entered. Um, so he um, also wanted to uh, change the child support calculation based on his um, VA benefits because he was receiving an believe it was an 80% disability rating from the VA and he was going to um, and the wife wanted to impute his uh, other income involved in that and then the wife also wanted to enjoin the father from um, having the child involved in a sweat lodge activity and uh, the district court actually ultimately uh, did enjoin the sweat lodge activity and this is subject here on the Court of Appeals to a First Amendment challenge for not letting the child be involved in this sweat lodge activity. And there was also a ward of attorney's fees um, on behalf or for mom uh, against father. So the uh, Court of Appeals here, they uh, affirmed the denial of the material change in circumstances. They say pretty much everything that was alleged was present in the prior circumstances and there wasn't really an, a reason for a change. The uh, First Amendment challenge was dealt with substantively, and they go through the challenge uh, under First Amendment grounds. And although, you know, the father here wasn't enrolled in a Native American tribe and didn't practice that religion but used it as, uh, you know, other kinds of, I guess, relaxation or other things that uh, they found from the sweat lodge activity, um, I think that was why that ultimately failed. The imputed income was found not to be an abuse of discretion, and neither was the award of attorney's fees. Um, it's very fact-heavy, um, and if you want to take a look at that, uh, that would be Ewing v. Evans, which was ultimately affirmed. Okay, the next case that we come to is Ilg versus Ilg, and this is another appeal from a dissolution of uh, marriage, and the issues on appeal are uh, the division of the marital estate, the custody and visitation order, and then the uh, order determining child support and alimony. And um, here there were uh, children at issue. There was a uh, rather long uh, marriage. So there were three kids, um, one that was born in 2009, one that was born in 2012, and one that was born in 2014. Um, and then the uh, parties had been together uh, for approximately 
uh, 30 years, I believe it was, because I believe they had uh, dated for 10 and then were married for uh, 20. So quite a, a long um, relationship. And the the interesting issue, I guess, kind of on a on appeal, or I'm sure was uh, lower, was an issue in regards to the marital estate. Here, the marital estate was actually a home where the husband had basically grown up in. Uh, was his grandparents' home? Had apparently been in his family since I believe uh, the 40s. And here, uh, he was, of course, wanting the marital home because of that. Was hoping to raise his children in it, but. Uh, the district court had awarded the marital home to the mother because she was going to have physical custody of the children, and that is um, where they had resided. And so uh, basically here the Court of Appeals did not find any abuse of discretion uh, with that award because of the fact that the uh, children had uh, lived at that property um, and due to the fact that the uh, marital estate uh you know, the, there wasn't an abuse of discretion in uh, the finding of the district court and awarding the marital estate to the uh, wife. The one thing that was uh, reversed on appeal uh, was the fact that the husband had a Edward Jones uh, Roth IRA account that he was able to uh, demonstrate was rolled over uh, in 2008 prior to the uh, marriage. And so therefore, the Court of Appeals found that there was enough evidence to find that that was uh, marital property. Um, and so they did find uh, that that should have been uh, reclassified when they were dividing the estate as non-marital property uh, versus um, marital property. As far as uh, the rest of the uh, matter, there was basically uh, findings as far as uh, abuse of discretion, and the uh, court continued to find that there were no uh, abuses of discretion in regards to uh, the parenting plan and custody determination, um, and then the um, child support calculation. And the interesting piece, again, that I'll note here was that with the parenting plan and custody uh, determination, uh, the court had um, adopted a stipulated parenting plan, but that also had made findings uh, outside of that stipulated parenting plan, uh, which the court offered were in the best interest of the children. Um, and so there, this had been an assignment of error uh, from the father, uh, basically suggesting that the district court had simply approved the uh, stipulated parenting plan, but uh, the court had gone outside of uh, that agreement and had clearly made some determinations that were in the children's best interest. And so here the Court of Appeals noted that um, and did not find uh, error in uh, the parenting plan that the uh, district court had adopted. Um, and so therefore, outside of the IRA, uh, the Court of Appeals um, affirmed and uh, modified uh, the district court's order in this case. All right. I have State v. Miller. This is a pro se post-conviction case, so guess what? It's going to be quick. Um, so we have a uh, gentleman here who was uh, sought post-conviction relief and was denied an evidentiary hearing. He indicates that the district court erred in finding that the allegations in the motion were insufficient and uh, to warrant a hearing. Uh, he alleged an inefficient, uh, ineffective assistance of counsel, among other things. Ultimately, it was denied by the trial court and affirmed by the Nebraska Court of Appeals. Okay, next case we come to is an appeal uh, from the District Court of Douglas County where a jury had returned a verdict in favor of a defendant failing uh, that failing to find uh, that the plaintiff had met his burden of proof in regards to motor vehicle negligence. And uh, 
the, again, this is a pro se appeal, but some of the interesting things on appeal are that uh, the plaintiff had assigned um, as error that the uh, court had not granted a directed verdict. However, uh, the plaintiff in this case had not asked for a directed verdict at the lower level, and so therefore there was nothing for the Court of Appeals uh, to review. Additionally, uh, there was a uh, assignment of error that a jury instruction in regards to an expert witness um, was not included, but there was no expert witness in this case, so again, there was uh, nothing to review uh, there. And then uh, there were another couple of issues, uh, including a motion uh, for a new trial, um, but basically here the plaintiff had not um, been seeking a new trial on uh, the same basis, and so therefore the uh, court, the district court, couldn't have erred in denying uh, the new trial on this ground, and so you know it was being raised for the first time basically on appeal, um, and so again the uh, district court did not err there, and so the court of appeals affirmed. State v. Christine Kristen uh, Fierro. Uh, this is a appeal for the conviction of perjury. Um, what happened here is Ms. Fierro was convicted of second-degree forgery, and then she had a jury trial on another theft charge. And when she took the stand for the jury trial on the theft charge, she was asked by the prosecution, have you ever been convicted of a felony or in crime involving dishonesty in the previous 10 years? She said no. Um, and then the she won the jury trial. There was an acquittal. And following the acquittal, the state contacted local law enforcement and said, hey, I think she, uh, I'm paraphrasing, of course, uh, I think she might have perjured herself on the stand. Take a look at that. Law enforcement looks into it, gets a copy of the record, finds that she was previously convicted of the second degree forgery, which is a crime involving dishonesty, therefore uh, wasn't honest. And she is ultimately charged with um, the charge of perjury, which you don't see very often. Then she waives her jury trial, uh, which is a, a contention for her on appeal, but she waives her jury trial and uh, they have a bench trial on the issue of perjury. She claims that, you know, she only heard the felony part and, and didn't really understand the involving dishonesty part. So the, there's an intent problem there. The uh, district court ultimately found that she was uh, perjuring herself, that she knowingly, uh, lied on under oath and sentenced her to 90 days in jail and nine months post-release. The um, court here looks into the issue of uh, ineffective assistance of counsel and not finding one for waiving a uh, the right to a jury. Ultimately, that is the uh, appellant's or the, excuse me, the uh, defendant's decision and it has to have, there's not a sufficient record in order to show there was an effective assistance of counsel here and that there was a sufficiency of evidence for the uh, appeal. Therefore, it was affirmed. Okay, next case we come to is State versus, and I think I'm going to butcher this, but that's okay, uh, Sichowski. Sure. Uh, this is an appeal from the district court for uh, Douglas County. Uh, this is a bench trial where Chikowski was found guilty of disorderly conduct and sentenced to uh, 60 days imprisonment. Basically, this all arose out of an altercation over a uh, landscaping incident where apparently a couple of landscapers were taking too long and were being too loud uh, while leaf blowing. And uh, Chikowski had confronted them, and this resulted in uh, some kind of verbal altercation uh, and potentially a uh, physical altercation. And I guess the the big thing to note uh, here on appeal 
is the fact that uh, Tchaikovsky, uh, when he had appealed the uh, sentence and order from the county county court, had uh, failed uh, to um, note the assignments of error. And so when he failed to uh, do or failed to file a statement of errors within 10 days after filing uh, the bill of exceptions with the district court. Uh, the district court was then able to only uh, review that matter for plain error, and the same thing uh, happened on appeal. So just one of those things to note, you know, you have the 10 days uh, to file the uh, statements of error with the district court when you make that appeal. And so again, preserving those things, otherwise you only uh, preserve them for plain error. And so uh, the uh, Court of Appeals found no plain error as to a sequestration order, a motion to strike, uh, an excessive sentence, and then an ineffective assistance of counsel claim um, on appeal and affirmed. All right. I have Zoe M. v. Everett B. This is a domestic abuse protection order appeal. The uh, district court um, affirmed the appeal, the ex parte order, after a hearing where Everett um, was the appellant so he ultimately appealed but uh, Zoe was the petitioner Zoe said that Everett was taken into custody at her house at around 1 30 in the morning uh, was knocking on her door tried to call her 22 times between 12 21 a.m and 1 48 a.m uh, didn't have an ID and uh, that caused her problems and then once he was taken into custody for I think a, a DUI investigation and some other things came back at 6 a.m left a voicemail uh, saying, you know, you'll get yours, I promise, and some other stuff. And that uh, caused her some anxiety. And then there was a prior incident where he uh, grabbed her shoulders while he was yelling uh, to her. That was almost a year prior to that. The court found that the domestic abuse prediction order should be issued for a year. And um, that was affirmed on appeal um, here. There is a bunch of good language and this is why these are important to take a look at. So if you have a protection order or something, this is basically a memo on uh, domestic abuse protection order law in Nebraska as it currently is. And you can go in there and uh, look at the law and properly advise your clients, uh, you know, as you move forward. So I think, is that it or do you got one more? Nope, that's it. All right. That's it for 2023. Oh, man. Even if it's late, it's what it is. So it's the... Uh, end of 2023 and uh that's it that's it for this year right yep another one circled out all right well uh have a great week everybody go back to episode one